Ave Maria Radio and Renewal Ministries presents Fire on the Earth, a compelling look at the new evangelization through inspiring teachings, interviews, and testimonies. Hello, friends, and welcome to Fire on the Earth. I'm Pete Burak, filling in for Peter Herbeck this week. Throughout the course of the week so far, we've been looking at and examining what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? This is a pretty foundational question and one that certainly has been covered both in this show and across Catholic radio and across Catholic resources since the beginning. But I figured it never hurts to just take a little bit more time to take a step back and kind of get back to the basics. I remember the first practice, so I had the opportunity to be around the University of Michigan men's basketball team when I was at the University of Michigan. And the the first practice we ever had with Coach Beeline He had just moved in. He was a new coach, and we were pretty excited. He was known as this offensive guru who had this very elaborate offensive system and known for teaching shooting and all these different cuts and all these things. And so we were excited to to see what he had in store for us. And in the first practice he ever had with us at the beginning of the season, we spent, I don't even know how much time, but it felt like forever, working on passing and catching the basketball. So here here you have Division One basketball players spending an inordinate amount of time at the beginning of our first practice learning how to properly catch and pass the ball. I mean, I play catch with my seven-year-old son Donovan, and he knows how to catch and pass the ball. And here we are, 18, 19, 20-year-old guys learning how to catch and pass the ball. Why? Because Coach Beeline had learned that the number one place where traveling happens in a basketball game is right after catching the ball. And this is more detail than you were expecting on Fire on the Earth regarding basketball fundamentals. But I share that story because we are never past the fundamentals, friends. There's never a time in our walk with the Lord that we are too mature to take some time to remember the basic gospel message, to recall and celebrate the biblical narrative, and to hold ourselves accountable to the foundations of what it means to be a disciple, And so yesterday I talked about some definitions of a disciple. And remember, a disciple is somebody who is living the Jesus life, who is letting the life of Christ inform our life, living as Jesus would live if he were me, growing in the character, the holiness, and the competency, the mission of Jesus. Another way to think about it is Jesus lived in three directions. He lived up towards the Father, he lived in towards his disciples, and he lived out on mission. St. John Paul II called this the three co-missions of a disciple, to live in prayer, communion, and mission, up, in, and out. And so we as disciples need to conform ourselves, not to the world, not to the mirror in front of us. We don't want to be conformed to ourselves or to the world, but we need to be conformed to Christ. We need to let the work of the Holy Spirit transform us from one degree of glory to the next so that we actually have the power to be different to live different, and to live in harmony with the new identity that we have in Christ. We are no longer separated from God. We are his sons and daughters. And therefore, there's an expectation and an understanding that to be a son or daughter of God is to live a particular way. And we need to celebrate that and recognize that the obedience that the Lord calls us to is not to ruin our weekend, but to to see us flourish, both in this life and in the life to come. That to live in unity and harmony with the moral teaching of the church here is preparation and acknowledgement of the life that we want to live in heaven. That we want to be holy and be transformed as much as possible here so that we can enter into the holy of holies. That is heaven. 
And so what I want to do today is I want to unpack Colossians, Colossians 3. And in it, there's lots of different points throughout the scriptures where the the writers and the Holy Spirit reveals to us kind of do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And I came across this list from Paul in Colossians, and I thought it was, I don't know, I hadn't read Colossians much recently, so I was very inspired by it, and so I thought maybe you all will be too. And so I want to read through what Paul kind of says we need to put off, and then what he says we need to put on. As new creations in Christ, these are the things we should put to death in us through his Spirit, and the things that we should be asking for, for him to generate in us through his Spirit. All right, so here it goes. Colossians 3. Starts with a a little word with a lot of meaning. If, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above and not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So I've spent a lot of time on this already, but just to highlight, the, the starting point of understanding the moral teachings of the church, the do's and don'ts, is this right here. If you have been raised with Christ. And brothers and sisters, if you've been baptized, you've been raised with Christ. You have been hid. Your life is hidden in him. That you've been crafted into the body of Christ. That you are now part of the family of God. And if you're part of the family of God, then the family has expectations. The family has rules. And rules are not a dirty word. Again, they're not out to ruin your life. They're out to help you live in harmony with the new life that God has elevated you to through his son. So what should we do? Paul tells us, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Okay, what's earthly? He gives a list. Immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. It doesn't take much to look around the state of the church in the world right now and kind of feel the wrath of God. And I know Peter has done a lot on judgment and the wrath of God and how as Catholics we properly understand that. So I'm not going to try to do a teaching on that right now. I'd recommend that you can go to AveMariaRadio.net or RenewalMinistries.net and you can find the archives of the show and you can look and, and listen to Peter unpacking judgment and wrath because it's really important that we have a proper understanding of what Scripture talks about when Scripture talks about the wrath of God. So, but why is it coming or how does it emerge in the world? It's because of immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. When there are idols in the world, and maybe even particular when there are idols in the church that are allowed to stand, that are allowed to be worshipped, and when those of us who have been hid with Christ don't put to death those idols, then there's a clash. There's a purifying fire that emerges because the holiness of God does not allow for the unholy. He welcomes the unholy to purify us. But if the the unholy is not welcomed in the holy of holies, unless it is first purified by the love of God, unless his 
saving work is extended. And so in this case, of course, all are welcome, all are invited. His mercy is endless and his forgiveness is boundless. But for those who ask for it, who want it, who cooperate with it. And what Paul's talking about here is if we allow immorality, impurity, covetousness, if we allow the idols of sin to remain and we don't put them to death, then there's a, there's a divide in the heart. And a heart divided cannot stand. A house divided cannot stand. We can't have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. And too often we try to do that. And so Paul is calling us and he's encouraging us and he's saying, put to death those things. And he goes on. He says, in these you once walked when you lived in them, but now put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, foul talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old nature with its practices and have put on the new nature which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So he's saying, this is not who you are anymore. The old nature was full of anger and wrath and malice and slander and foul talk. That was consistent with the old nature, but the old nature has gone away. That has been dealt with. And the new nature lives differently. And we have to recognize that this is not like a a once saved, always saved situation. What Paul is saying is that the new standard, the new reality is the new nature, but we can let the old nature creep in. We can cooperate with the old nature, and that's why we have to keep rooting out sin in the spirit. We have to keep identifying places where we're not surrendered, where we're cooperating, where we've established a stronghold, where we've let an idol reign in our heart instead of Jesus. And then we need to give that to him, and we need to put it to death in the spirit so that we can live in harmony with the new nature of who we really are. Because this is what he says in verse 12. What does it look like to live in the new nature? He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. I just love how Paul describes us from time to time. There's all these little nuggets as he's describing. In this case, he's writing to the Colossians. And he never misses an opportunity to remind his readers who they really are. Because he's saying, he's like, put on then as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved. He's saying, don't forget Colossians. You're chosen. You're holy. You're beloved. Your new nature, who you are. You're chosen. You're holy. You're beloved. So what does a chosen, holy, and beloved person put on? We put on compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience. Forbearing one another... And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. He he just keeps going. This is what it means. If you're chosen, holy and beloved, this is what it looks like. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything with the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So on one hand, the new nature looks at the old nature and says, we're going to put off, here's the list, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, and idolatry. We're not going to live in anger, wrath, malice, slander, foul talk, with no, and we're not going to, and 
We're no longer going to lie. And instead, because we're chosen, because we're holy, because we're beloved, because we're forgiven, we're going to live with compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, patience, forbearing, forgiving, love, love. We're going to live with peace in our hearts. We're going to let the word of God dwell in us richly. We're going to sing and give thanksgiving to him. And as Paul goes on in the rest of his letters, this this new life is compelling. It's transformative. It's confusing to the world because it's such a different story. I mean, as I'm listing these things that either you put on or you put off, if you met somebody who's either put on all the list that I just gave, the good list, or has not put off the list, the bad list, you know it. You've encountered people this way who have wrath, malice, slander, foul talk, who lie. It's discernible. You can see it. Conversely, when you meet somebody who's actually compassionate, kind, lowly, meek, patient, who forbears with you, who forgives you, who loves you, who has peace in their heart, who sings with thanksgiving, they're different. It's noticeable. So this list is not just... Again, a a list of do's and don'ts. This is like painting a picture of what a disciple looks like, feels like, thinks like, moves through the world like. And it's scandalous, brothers and sisters. It's scandalous to the world if somebody who claims to be a disciple has not put off all the things that, that Paul says we need to put off and has not put on all the things that Paul says we need to put on. So let's think about that. Let's read Colossians tonight together again and just say, oh, Lord, help me to live in harmony with the new creation you've made me so that I can bear witness to the world of what a transformed life looks like. This is Fire on the Earth. I'm Pete Burak, filling in for Peter Herbeck. God bless. Each program of Fire on the Earth with Peter Herbeck can be downloaded at AveMariaRadio.net and RenewalMinistries.net. Fire on the Earth is a production of Ave Maria Radio. Friends, I'd like to offer you my new booklet, Receiving Fire. Jesus said, I have come to cast fire on the earth, would that it were already ablaze. That fire is the purifying love that burns in the heart of Jesus. A fire of grace for those who receive it, but a fire of judgment for those who refuse it. If you'd like a copy of this free booklet, call 1-800-282-4789 or contact us on the web at renewalministries.net slash foe that's renewalministries.net slash foe